0: Hey guys, welcome to VS Energy's Commissioning Podcast. I'm your host, Clayton Farron. Here with us today is Jim Pasquale, Nick Taliska, and Mark Sankey. And in today's podcast, we'll be discussing the importance of a tailored approach when it comes to building commissioning. So obviously, if you guys have been tuning into this commissioning podcast um, for all of our episodes, we've really been focusing on the importance of the commissioning agent's involvement through the entirety of the the project right so this starts from conception all the way through functional testing and training and there's there's much more involved than just showing up with your checklist and looking at an air handler or a chiller or you know whatever system and checking checking off down the list so we just wanted to take this episode to really discuss that it's a very tailored approach to this process and it's not necessarily copy and paste from your last commissioning job to this one and just, you know, coast coast through the process. So hopefully we can kind of break it down a little bit and have a good conversation about it. You know, overall, does the general path change? Not necessarily. If you've tuned in before, you know, we got to still
1: uh, generate an OPR. And um, you said the process doesn't change, but I, I would say the process shouldn't change. But in... <laughs> But in many, many instances, someone, be it contractor, be it owner, be it another entity, uh, willfully attempts to modify the process based on their individual needs. And I see that more often than not in terms of uh, one size doesn't fit all. Well, one size doesn't fit all, but the process, whether it's you know abbreviated in one area or not, does fit all it's a matter of how much functional testing how much um you know whether you do sampling or whether you do 100 percent commissioning and those kinds of things but i too many times i see people try to circumvent specific steps in the commissioning process and go right to the end and just say i need a commissioning report
0: yeah i i (laughs) i completely agree so that's definitely not doing it um to the book, if you wanted to call it. So yeah, in general, you know, we still need to do the the commissioning process is pretty much the same throughout involvement if if it's done correctly. But yeah, you you seem to see that people say, okay, well, let's just skip doing the OPR or the pre-functional chest. Let's just come in and do <laughs> functional testing, if you want to call it that, just to to get this requirement out of the way, right? And under what
2: circumstances, Mark, like, do, you, do you see that happening, I guess, you know, where somebody would revise it like that. Is as just a, ma- a matter of magnitude of the project or scale?
1: No. Or budget. Uh, well, budget and, um, you know, in Western PA and even upstate New York, there are some specific rebates uh, provided you know, utility incent- incentives that are provided contingent on a commissioning report. So. A customer does the project and then they need a commissioning report for submission for payment of the rebate. And I mean, that, that's essentially paying for someone's autograph.
2: Gotcha. And you're not going through the process of actually commissioning, just looking for the
1: certification, if you will. Right. Or if you are, it's extremely abbreviated and in no way uh, representative of the performance of the system in totality. Hmm.
0: And I suppose there's probably plenty of people that will go ahead and fill that role, right? Sure.
1: Yeah. But but my thought process in that is, okay, to become a certified commissioning professional, there's a minimum experience level, which is fairly significant. There's a requirement for systems knowledge, which is fairly extensive. There's testing and there's certification. And if you go through all that and you, you, you know, become a certified commissioning professional and you have any self-respect, why will you, you know, compromise your personal integrity, potentially your reputation for a few bucks?
2: Could, could not we say the same thing uh, could happen in, in the engineering phase? I mean, Jim, is there an equivalent of like taking the like, I just want a chiller plant design does anybody ever say that? I'm not worried about the details.
3: Um, I mean, probably in a different way than what Mark was describing earlier. I, I don't really see people looking f- to get a quick, like, autograph to get an incentive. I mean, the, most of the times I see that it's just you know, an, an owner trying to reduce costs or a design build contractor trying to you know, reduce. Design fees, and it's usually probably more the inexperienced owners or contractors that don't see the value in you know a good design team. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I don't see that directly translating to the um, design phase, but or the design team. So, like, we're kind of focusing right now, saying that you
0: know the owner is pushing the shortcut, if you wanted to call it that, right? But I can imagine on the design end, and obviously on the commissioning end, um, those shortcuts can be made by just doing, you know, we'll we'll call it copy and paste, right? Like, you know, I can imagine you do. There's a lot of copy and paste stuff going on in the design world and the commissioning world. Saying, you know, this is my pre-functional checklist or my functional test. I'm going to just take it from the last one, move on. You're like we don't really care about the little details. We just want to make sure the unit starts, shuts off, yeah. goes into heating, goes into cooling all is good. Whereas like they don't look at it systematically. And obviously that is where uh, issues can arise as well.
3: Yeah. And I think what Mark was talking about, you know, specifically with the example of getting an autograph for, you know, some sort of, um, you know, incentive. I'd imagine that those types of shortcuts are happening later down the process, right? Oh, that's they're probably the not. The that's, yeah. That's probably not happening at pre-design or design. Right. Yeah. Um, no,
1: and, you know, to Jim's point, you see it everywhere in, in the design build uh, field or um, developer projects, especially on the engineering side. Well, you know, we'll pay this much, you know, and then it's uh, a percentage of the project cost or, you know, and, and I've seen that number go from, you know, 7%, 8% down to 3% or sometimes less, which is nonsensical. Even with the benefits, and I know we're talking cut and paste as a negative, but cut and paste is essentially taking what we've already learned and reusing it, which is a good thing. Mm -hmm. But with the in the context of engineering or commissioning or anything else, you have to be mindful that this is a new project, and all you've really done is copied and pasted what should be a framework for your future intended work.
3: Well, put. yeah, you, you, I guess if if you're gonna copy and paste, you you better fully edit whatever you just pasted. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. Like don't don't, don't copy it and paste. Off. Yeah, and then get distracted by an email and forget that you just copied and pasted. Yes. And, you know. any funny personal
2: stories there, Jim? You'd like to share?
3: Oh, me personally, yeah. none whatsoever. No. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, I've heard, I've heard from a friend, a lot of stories, yeah, but yeah. it
2: got to the same friends. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no. And I think the reason why we're probably talking about this with commissioning, you know, is that sometimes, I mean, obviously we've talked about it. Projects are done completely and there's no talk of commissioning sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it probably is, you know, a combination of a lack of maybe understanding about the value of that actual commissioning can bring when somebody's just looking for that report to check the box. And, uh, Probably a combination of other things too, like Clayton. You were saying cost is a big factor. Yeah, yeah, I but can you imagine really think Those things you're paying for in commissioning have already been, you know, paid for
0: in other services that you bought. If that's your impression. So here's a question for you guys. Then um, speaking generally, like in 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 industry, if you wanted to call it that, not maybe necessarily as you know us individually, um, at, like through the commissioning process, say. There's obviously different levels of quality when it comes to equipment and prop managers and, you know, just build teams, all of that. Does that factor into the commissioning um, process at all? Say there's, you know, a top-notch equipment getting installed, top-notch install team, you know, contractors, uh, project manager, so on and so forth, would that change You know, because obviously the whole point of commissioning is to to make sure everything is done per the spec and, you know, correctly. And it takes, you know, sometimes a lot of time and an eagle eye to watch and make sure nobody's missing anything or doing something incorrectly. Does that process or thought process change at all if the design team or the the team, if you want to call it that, is better? Boy, I I wouldn't think so, Clayton. I mean, mean, you, you wouldn't want it to. I would agree, but I'm trying to
2: draw analogies to other things outside of this. But I would think that the, the process should be followed. Doesn't matter if the, I mean, obviously there's different commissioning that's done for a five-ton chiller. Yeah, store, yeah, yeah. But uh, I don't. That's just my gut reaction. I don't think it should. It change. should. It shouldn't.
0: I agree completely. Oh, good. I got the answer right. Okay. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> I feel like it might. I don't know. It it just different. It probably does. Yeah, that's interesting. Okay, that was one thought. I. What does Mark have to say? That's deep, Mark. A little louder, though. Sorry, sorry, sorry.
1: I'm on the mute. I'm on the mute. Oh, he was just ranting to himself. (laughs) Why do we have to mischaracterize my thought process as a rant? No, that's. So, I think it, 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 it to Nick's point, it, a five-ton unit is going to be different than a yes. you know five hundred-ton unit, and that's yes. simply based on the complexity of the mechanical system yep. as it ships from the manufacturer. Uh, so, yeah, obviously there will be differences, but pro, pro, from a process perspective, should be pretty pretty close. Mm-hmm. Because now, with I,
2: that said, if the installation team. I guess is known to be problematic, you know, if if there's been issues or oversights, I guess you can't help that if you're the commissioning authority that impacting how you look at something, right? I would have to imagine. Yeah. That would be, that would be shrewd. I would have to say, but I don't know if it would go the other way. Like, oh, these guys are top notch. We really don't have to look at that wing of the building.
0: Well, maybe not like that so much, but you know, as as your involvement in the process, you know, on 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 site as construction is going on, and you're walking around and you're checking whatever you're checking, uh, and every time you look, it's done right, it's done nice, things are labeled, you know, the right materials are used. Do you know? Does the guard get left let down a little bit? You know, as the project goes on, I don't know. You know, that's interesting. That could be a trap you could fall into just as a
1: human. Right.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I I agree with all of that. And um, even, you know, from personal experience, we've been on projects where we're doing sampling of, for instance, VAV boxes. And it's random, right? should be random. But how many times do we get asked which boxes will we be commissioning tomorrow? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Not, we're yeah. not going to do that. We, we don't give you the answers to the test before you take the test. Right. Right. Yep. Yep. Uh, you know, on the other side of it is, uh, especially, uh, at this part, at this point in my career, all of this, whether it be for the owner or whether, whether it be for VS energy is about risk mitigation. The entire commissioning process is all about stability and risk mitigation and, reducing the probability of either uh degraded or non uh non-performing equipment and the same thing goes for vs energy we don't want to do uh an incomplete or uh, how do you want to say it uh ineffective uh uh level of commissioning right so if we can say okay we've seen you know 50 good vav boxes we don't have to do this wing well you know if it's a very large project you may or may not have had the same installation team you may may or may not have had the same balancing team and it I think it warrants uh you know at least spot testing or sampling uh, the entire site yeah I, I completely agree and it for our
0: listeners I guess just to clarify I'm definitely not advocating for that or saying that you know obviously we don't do that and we we hold ourselves to a high standard but just looking at it, you know, from an outside perspective, I can see where sometimes I can see where it gets, you do let your guard down potentially, or someone could let their guard down potentially as, as you move forward in the commissioning process to say, okay, these guys been, I haven't found any issues yet. And, you know, I've, I don't know. Yeah. Just thought I'd bring it up and ask the question to see what you guys thought about it. <laughs> so no, no, I really
1: don't want to find any issues. No. Yeah. I agree completely. It right. Yep. Um, we won't have to find issues.
0: Yep. And obviously as a commissioning agent, if you're um, on top of things and and following the process, if you want to call it that properly, hopefully if any issues you do find are the pretty infant stages where it can be a little bit easier resolved than showing up at the end of a project when it's already built with your checklist to go through it for a rebate or whatever. So.
1: So, um, I'm going to, I'm going to basically, uh, paraphrase Adam Muggleton's, um, basically his six steps, which is uh pre-design, design, construction phase, uh, commissioning, integrated system testing, and then uh, six to 12 month defects. So he cites all six of those steps or phases as full commissioning authority scope of work. But then phase four, where dynamic commissioning phase on site is in his opinion, the minimum commissioning scope of work. All right. So that goes to, uh, well, we need a, a signature or a, right. or a an extremely abbreviated testing phase for Fulfillment of some obligation, whether it be a utility rebate or some other, you know, uh, um, rebate, and in in some ways, I guess I can understand that. And uh, I don't know if you've been involved, Jim or Nick, in a boiler MACT study, MACT, which is basically a EPA requirement for uh, solid or liquid fuel boilers to evaluate their Operational control and pollution control technologies. And that skips basically every step right up to uh, dynamic commissioning, which is, you know, test and evaluation of the methodologies for controlling the boiler. But it's also very rigid in terms of the things they want to see in that. So it it, uh, defines the detail required for that dynamic commissioning process I just I, I just hate to see uh, you know when we say oh one size doesn't fit all that's a fact but when we get requests from owners or contractors uh, we just need a we need a commissioning report uh, that that is uh, it, it raises my eyebrows a little bit and it that holds a lot of risk I think for both the owner and for uh, whoever's doing the commissioning
0: you know, that might be the one of the key takeaways of this discussion, too, is, um, you know, that point right there. It's There's more to it. Obviously, much, 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 much more to it than just showing up and getting the signature to complete it. Now, to that point, Mark, like, if these things are for some of these, um, we just want, you know, somebody to come and commission it real quick so we can get our uh, rebate, if you want to call it that. Just... Does the utility co- Do utility companies do that at all? Or no, They you need to have a sure. third-party commissioning agent to come and do that. The utility ti- company.
1: They typically want a third party. And in some cases, uh, the expertise for uh, specific technologies is outside the boundaries of what they may have on staff.
0: Well, that would make sense, I suppose, too. <laughs> um, <laughs> seems like they might want a third party so they don't have their signature on it either. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> which is I, I just find the irony in that because um we want we want you guys to do commissioning to get your rebate as long as you get your signature we don't care we'll give you the rebate but we don't want to be the ones doing that because you should do it completely you know the commissioning process should be done right <laughs> i don't know
1: yep <laughs> well each job needs a tailored approach i mean uh, you know when you draw the spectrum between uh, heavy industrial and an office building there's no possible way that it, you know what you do in the yes. office would would even you know carry water at an industrial facility and if you took your your um, pre-functional testing checklist to the, the office building well it, it would make no sense so that goes back to our cut and paste uh, mm-hmm would you absolutely need to need to tailor the approach? And even in industrials, um, you know, precision manufacturing facility is different than a, uh, glass or steel facility or Mm -hmm. heavy industrial. And, you know, there are a whole different set of metrics that may or may or may not make their way into the uh, commissioning portion of the project. Oh, I, I would have to agree completely with that one. I mean, um,
0: you know looking at it systematically or as a you know facility as a whole, there's a lot more that goes into play definitely um could be pressurization could be anything uh, that you know, yeah, the unit could start shut off, heat, cool, whatever, but you know as a complete system, the way it operates can really affect downstream production anything so yeah. I agree. (laughs) Kind of the whole point of the tailored approach thing again is just saying, like, um, you know, we, you can't just take what you did before into one, from one facility and copy and paste it into another facility because they could have completely different requirements aside from just how the, just the mechanical equipment, you know, turning on and heating. So.
2: Well, I think that's, what's important to remember here is, you know, we started talking about what is commissioning and all that, and it's, you know, whatever definition always has kind of systematic process in it. Right. So, yep, yeah, I mean, that needs, I mean, obviously one size doesn't fit all cause, and I think of scope and magnitude and complexity and all mm-hmm. that, but I guess that is the challenge we're talking about. The process needs to be preserved and, you know, there's variation along the way, just like anything, but. Uh, I don't know. You can look at, you know, criminal investigations and murders. I mean, murder's been happening for a long time, but you'd think we'd know like, this is how you do a murder investigation. Yeah. They have their steps they go through, and everyone's yeah. same, you know, secure the area, witnesses, whatever. And then, but, you know, it goes in different tangents, but you always have to be kind of bringing it back to, okay what is my role what is my process here our process is the commissioning team and you know adapt to everything else that goes on but yeah. i think it's it's worthwhile discussing because the i guess the, the lure to really deviate when you have a lot of pressures that we talk about right coming from the customer coming from the contractor coming from different entities that uh can put a lot of pressure on you know one of the last things to happen in a project you know commissioning and issuing a commissioning report so mm-hmm. very worthwhile stuff to keep in mind
0: oh yeah no i completely agree another you know another point i guess is worth discussing is obviously you know like we said everything and this might require some more would have required some more forethought to answer but obviously you know as you go forward in a project you you have a plan right? Everybody's got a plan. This is what we need. This is where we are. This is where we need to get. This is how, what we're going to do to get there, depending on whoever's involved for whatever their, you know, requirements are. But, um, you know, that obviously doesn't always go to plan and that can happen in the commissioning portion of it too, which is, you know, throughout the entirety of the project. But um, I don't know, is there anything worth discussing or bringing up or, you know, past experiences where, you know, it something didn't go to plan, you needed to be able to
3: adjust to that you know kind of quick on your feet thing i I think this might somewhat answer your your question i I think in my experience i come across a lot of up-and-coming commercial contractors like commercial contractors who might be trying to make the jump you know into the next level of bigger projects and for the Mm -hmm. entirety of their career um, they may have been at the threshold. Where commissioning as we know it is not necessarily uh, required by the energy code. You know, they're working on smaller systems that just don't require the level um, of commissioning that, you know, we're really talking about here. And then all all of a sudden they get to that level of project. And, you know, all you need is one other misunderstanding or failure. You know, perhaps the design team didn't clearly you know, develop uh, commissioning requirements. There's no mm-hmm. OPR, you know, you, you've mentioned before, you've seen that many a times, you know, as soon as you get like, I guess, two sources of inexperience or failure, that's where I see everything's kind of, that's when you're off to the races and, right you know, things start to get bad very quickly. I guess I never thought of it in that regard. Like, yeah, you know, we're,
0: <laughs> we're well, we're focusing on the the commissioning agent, and experience, and you know um, uh, uh, <laughs> professionalism, yeah. and whatever. But then you, you got to look at the other side of it in uh, contractor end too. There's yep. obviously a lot of contractors that aren't prepared to have a a co- you know a full
3: scale commissioning effort involved in a project. I yeah, imagine. I guess I'm coming from it at a different angle. Where you know sometimes there yeah there might not even be a commissioning agent. You know it could be at the start of the project right like we've gotten we at the beginning of this podcast we even talked about how someone's looking for a signature you know later on during construction towards the end of the project i guess uh what what i was referring to is when the project's coming together if you don't you know usually if there's one source of failure someone else might be able to recognize it and correct it but it's kind of like with a plane crash you know when it's never just one system that fails that causes a crash. Usually they have multiple failures that contribute to the crash. And I guess going back to your original question, that's kind of where where I see the failures in in commissioning.
1: Well, and Jim, I agree with you. that it's, It's always, I mean, it's not always, but many times it's the smaller contractor that decides they're going to swing for the fence. And lo and behold, they do, they knock one out of the park, and then they have the winner's curse. Yep. So the winner's curse is like holy shit. Now I have the job. <laughs> and then they meet the commissioning agent, who, you know, after the first two weeks, uh, they're threatening to throat punch him. And that's that's reality. That's a real yep. story. So <laughs> I mean, that's a you know, hey, nobody, you know, you you took the job. And you took took it with all the T's and C's and review of the entire specification. So, Mm -hmm. you know, the performance to the the specification is not optional. That's part of the contract. So you're right. I mean, everybody wants to grow up to be, you know, a a big contractor, but there's a time and a place and there's, uh, you know, if you really want to get in the, get in the ring with somebody that outweighs you by 40 pounds and has four inches of reach on you. And sometimes you you take what you get. So
0: as a commissioning agent, assuming it's done correctly, you would be contracted by the owner, right? And say the owner went, put this out to bid and, and the, the, you know, the low guy got it. And they're inexperienced, like we've said, trying to, you know, get up there Um, as a commissioning agent, then, everybody's goal is to obviously have the project completed on time under budget uh every you know everyone will be happy so does your role change at all then or no i mean again maybe it's like a a very open question but you want to help make this project through to completion you don't want to necessarily say where's here's all this documentation where's all i don't know i, I want to give it Specific examples but I'm necessarily not, but you know what I'm saying? Like you don't want to just say, I need this, 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 and this. You don't know how to do that. Sucks to be you. Whatever, you know, I'm waiting. Or or do you? I mean <laughs> I know. Are you talking to me? Sure, everybody. Like as a commissioning <laughs> agent, you know, obviously you you all you then no. also have to deal with inexperienced contractors. And like I said, working for the owner, we all want the project to end on time and under budget. And if you can you can probably start seeing that getting off the rails pretty quickly if you're involved early in the project as you should be. What do you do?
1: Well, you have a forum where you sit down and say, this will be the expectations. It's the, the documented expectations of the process we will be following and the outcomes that we do expect. And if you have questions, if you need help in moving forward through this, then reach out and we observe or assess that there may be an issue where there's a weakness or you know it could be problematic we'll communicate that as well and the easiest way to do that is early in the process not right um you know once construction's actually occurring it's either you know during the post-bid review or if it's a collaborative design build project somewhere early on in that project but you know the the it's never to anyone's benefit for the trust relationship between the owner and the commissioning agent to start to devolve and the best way to do that is just by you know honest candid communication from all parties early and continuing to maintain that position going forward that said the winner's curse that we talked about oh you're the low bidder and you got the job has a myriad of um side effects with it and you, know, you go to business school and you'll learn all this great stuff about competitive process as well. Ideal competitive numbers, typically five competitors. Once you get to the point where you have 10, 15, 18 bidders on a project, there's only one explanation for the low bid. Mistakes. That's it. That's <laughs> yeah. the only reason. So. As soon as the award party is over, the celebration is over, the suffering begins. Yeah. The suffering from the subcontractors, the suffering from employees. Um, and then it's just, it becomes an endurance test and to see if they can weather the storm, if they can beat up the subcontractors and suppliers enough to make it for their mistake and take enough shortcuts that during the installation phase and or improve their efficiency enough to uh, basically come out of it with their skin. And that makes for a tough project.
2: Yeah. I was just going to kind of echo what you were saying. I mean, all these things point to, you know, kind of, you know, getting involved early because you're going to have all these things happen, right? Yeah. Experienced contractors, key men are Mm -hmm. pulled off onto other projects. Things just don't go right. So, you know, it all comes down to having the plan, but you need to adapt to the plan, you know, and we've had a lot of boxing references in this podcast. It seems so. I'll quote <laughs> the deep thinker, Michael Gerard Tyson, uh, also known as iron Mike, who said, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. And the key is right. To have your plan be adaptable Yeah, and being able to adjust to these things that we all know are going to happen. Yep. I don't right. know, does anyone, does any one of us have a perfect project?
0: No, exactly. No, some yeah. always goes wrong. Some are worse than others. But
2: yeah,
1: yep.
0: you, know, you know, it's kind of funny. I find it ironic. I, we we, I went into this conversation. You know, it's obviously titled "One Size Doesn't Fit All." And what have you? You can't copy and paste. But we keep coming back to the the whole notion of if you follow the the commissioning process. You know, that if you want to call it the ASHRAE guideline, correctly. A lot of this can be avoided, mitigated, or if you, you catch it early. Um, hmm. So it's, I don't know, I find it ironic. You know, one size doesn't fit all, but the process, I guess, is tech. It should be the same throughout.
2: <laughs> I mean, I think that's that is the point of a process. And, yeah.
0: Yep. And
2: yep. And I'll throw another quote out at you. Some guy named Demings, he was a real brilliant thinker. He said, if you can't describe what you're doing as a process, you don't know what you're doing and I think that goal <laughs> commissioning like the process can deviate but the process is the process
0: you know I've we talk about uh, I know Mark brought up an Adam Adam Muggleton post. Um, I saw one we I think we brought it up in our podcast before about you know if you if you take the commissioning agent and you look at his or her checklist and they don't know what uh Whatever, a handful of these things on their 80%. checklist. Yeah, he yeah. said if you if
1: they can't tell you what eighty percent of the items are,
0: yeah, then they they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> That's a good one, which is kind of funny. And again, it falls down to the copy and paste, and it's a systematic process. And uh, it's not, one size doesn't fit all in that regard, obviously too. So. But like Jim said,
2: too, I mean, definitely edit and replace because, you know, you come across your arena a commission report, and it's got the
0: wrong customer site name. Oh, out. yeah.
2: Does yep. anything else really mean anything? I or mean, equipment,
0: equipment name. Right I there. can imagine you get that a lot, too. Like, oh, this isn't yeah. AHU 3. You know, we're using the sheet for AHU 7. I don't know. Yeah. God, the copy
3: and paste. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just put myself in the, the, the client or the owner's shoes and if I'm the one paying for yep. all this money for this commissioning and, uh, you know, and I see something like that, that would just drive me nuts. So I keep I keep that in the back of my head every time I'm you know editing specifications and going through the mm-hmm. drawings, just to you know make because yeah, that I would lose <laughs> my mind. <laughs> wow, that much money. We're supposed to be profession professionals here, and the, you're getting into the specifics of the project and. It's talking about a project in the other side. I'll imagine of the if country, you're paying somebody right? to build your
0: house, and you showed up, and they had the you know document titled for somebody else, right, or a different address, or whatever. Yeah. Yep. So what
1: do we think, gentlemen? Well, I think any it's parting uh,
0: thoughts? Yeah. What do we wanna? What do we have? What else do we have to well, say? Well, it's
1: a lot of good information. I mean, you know, and and the, the my counsel to uh, customers obviously is we believe, and I think we have uh, proven out at least within. Um, the projects that we've been on, that there's a significant value add from having commissioning entities involved early, produces better outcomes, produces better cost effectiveness, typically in terms of reviewing value-added design, et cetera. But the concern, the risk management uh, portion of it, it doesn't benefit. I mean, you might as well just... uh, Go and find a signature online and find your own commissioning report and stick a name on it if all you need to do is fulfill a requirement uh, for commissioning because, you know, in my experience, credible, experienced commissioning entities would not be engaged in those kinds of projects. And I guess I have a different opinion or definition of what credible and experienced and ethical commissioning is versus some folks because they all you know there's always somebody that'll do it for a buck but um in general the re- responsible reliable and thorough commissioning entities will not
0: well i mean it's a whole lot of um risk on the commissioning entities part too because you're not involved in the the whole process there's no opr um, we don't know anything about, you know, you're looking at the, the engineering drawings as they're completed, not as they're being, you know, as it's going through, um, you know, pre-functional checklist, you you don't have any information on any of that, any of the, you know, devices out in the field. So, yeah, you, you're kind of setting yourself up for failure as a commissioning agent as well, going into it like that. So, at least I would say, I don't know. <laughs> Think about, yeah. you, you don't know anything about this job, and you're going to show up and just say, does... Do these turn on? Does it work? You know, RTUs, air handlers, chillers, but you don't know you you don't know a lot about the job as a whole. You're just looking at it as little pieces and bits and it's hard to put those together, I can imagine.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: <laughs> so, alrighty. Um, what do you guys think? We want to wrap this one up. So, what's, I mean, so then we cover like the main things you wanted to cover that you were thinking through. Basically? If I was to boil it down, like you, you just can't copy and paste like, you know, functional tests or pre functional tests from one job to another because the like, the requirements of the system can be completely different. You know, the air handler obviously still needs to have, you know, free stat, fire stat. Um, gotta be wired you know in series with uh the the drives and all that but if you look at it as a system like you know we did a um the the airport's requirements are different than a clean room's requirements but if you look at the functional test they could be kind of similar but that you could be setting yourself up and the the whole job for failure by just looking at you know, the functional test from the airport versus the functional test from the, for the equipment, for the clean room. You know what I mean? So I don't know. I just kind of wanted to boil down to that. You got to look at the the job as a whole and not just as little pieces and bits of, do all these air handlers work and does the chiller work?
1: Um, Because there's a lot more involved in it to, to have a successful job. You know, you go to a project where they have, you know, 400, 500, 600 psi steam. That's a little different than, you know, a local uh, boiler plant where they might have 15 pound steam or 20 pound steam or whatever um uh, the level of risk is significantly right there greater that's exactly what i'm trying to point out consequ- yeah. you know consequently the level of commissioning needs yep. to be uh, you know commensurately greater okay
2: so we smirched copy and paste quite a bit as mark yeah. pointed out I agree with Mark. I think it's a wonderful invention. It makes all the sense in the world, but I see what you're saying. Certainly you need, I mean, doesn't this go with the forethought involved with making your commissioning plan? Yeah. Yeah, Uh, absolutely. Bringing templates that you used before, which is good and smart and appropriate, but you can't just pack up your binder and go from site to site. This is how I do it, and this is what will be done. So adaptation is part of it. So uh, you know, adapting to the nuances of every different project is a big part of it, and maybe more so in commissioning. Yeah, I uh, don't question mark. I would
0: agree. I mean, just, I, I just looking at is. again one of our uh, most recent jobs, like. Yeah, you could say that maybe the the whole, obviously the commissioning in its entirety was completely dropped the ball, but um, it just seemed like there was no, you know, co- take your commissioning book and go to this one and then take that same commissioning book and go to the next one. You know what I mean? And it obviously can't be like that. It shouldn't be like that if, it, if you want success.
2: No, true. But there's those enduring principles of commissioning and
0: accepted methods yes. of doing things that should yep. be replicated yep, yep. and maybe you find that to you know not be the case then when commissioning is done properly and you're engaged at the inception of a project rather than at the end of a project where it could be a lot oh. easier to just show up with your binder and go through <laughs> check 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 sign okay so right maybe that could be a big takeaway of this episode too is obviously to do it right you need to be engaged early to allow for, you know, to get a full understanding of the magnitude and the risk associated with the project itself and the requirements of the project, rather than at the end and having no idea what requirements are for the facility, but just commissioning the mechanical equipment won't get you too far. Yeah, no, you have to have those touchstones that kind of bring you yep. back to, okay,
2: this is the path, Ron, we took a little deviation here, but now we're back on to what needs yeah. to be done here. So, uh, You guys ever heard of the universal question? No. Yeah, me, not surprising. So I I think I invented it a few years ago. What? Uh, Yeah, yeah. Follow me here. Uh, I think it's pretty good. So I get tired of like being on all these conference calls and they would always end like 60 minutes afterwards. And, you know, the leader would say, well, we're almost at the end of our time. We should wrap this meeting up. And a lot of times they'd be like, well, we haven't figured anything out. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You may have discussed a lot. Exactly. (laughs) So here was my question, no matter what the meeting I'd frame it differently, but it basically goes like, who's doing what, where, by when, and then, so what, what if? (laughs) And I basically wanted to know, okay, what are the takeaways here? Who's doing what? Where are they going to be doing it? When are they going to get it done? And then what happens after that? And then my favorite part is the so what? Like, okay, let's just check ourselves. Why are we doing this? You know, because I think that's more important than understanding what we're doing, especially Mm -hmm. the team. You got to understand, okay, here's why we're doing it. Cause you know, a lot of times people are removed from the million dollars in guaranteed savings yes. that are riding yeah. on the product. They don't know about that. So it's important to do that. And then the last part was you know, what if, what if things don't go wrong? What if you miss your flight? What if you can't get through all the buildings in three days, that sort of stuff. But it kind of helped me in a, in a weird way to, you know, kind of make sure I didn't get away from a meeting and be like I just spent an hour of my life nobody knows what they're doing and we're going to be back here in a week saying what happened and everybody's going to go nothing because we I have two of those any.
1: today I have two of those today already I have two no I have two of those meetings today <laughs> and, and my question is usually is this the meeting is this the get ready to get yeah. ready meeting what where are we at here in this and I agree with you Nick and and usually I'm the guy asking okay so who's doing what uh, and when will it be done by that's all i need to know you know uh, and uh, and sometimes shame on me i don't give them the why's because in many respects i don't care if they know why i know that my mission is to get this this and this done you know what i mean and maybe that that makes me a curmudgeon is that what you call me i think it is that was the word that came to mind but that's okay <laughs> Well, I give you free license to
2: the UniQ, as I've shortened it to, trademark patent pending to add those other little clarifying questions of the where's and the when's and why's and
0: all that. That's It's just yeah. so relatable. I like to keep it so. It's simple. so relatable. That is, that's awesome, Nick. And it's funny. I think a lot of people are just more, um, maybe not, but I feel like you go through those meetings like that in anything and people just are somebody doesn't want to stand up and say, yes, I'll do this by then because then they're committed to it. So you
2: gotta make them? You've oh gotta yeah. in most questions. like five minutes and this meeting is over no matter what yeah. happens, you know, five minutes, the call is going to end because it's yeah. an hour and it has to be figured yeah. out in an hour. Yeah. Sometimes things can be figured out in 10 yeah. minutes too. So <laughs> do you still take the whole hour?
0: I try not to, but okay. <laughs> if I'm not leading the call, <laughs> All right. This is figured out. Talk to you guys later.
1: Yeah. Okay. Anything right. else? No. Good. Talk to you when it's done. Time management. So
2: adaptability. I think that is the thing that we all yeah. must do. No,
0: I agree. Well, huh. I think with that being said, guys, we'll wrap this episode up. If it technically hasn't been already. Um, so this has been a great episode. Hopefully as a listener, you took something away from this. We I know we kind of covered this as a, a blanket statement. Um, about commissioning and and you know one size doesn't fit all don't copy and paste but you can copy and paste just make sure it fits what you're doing properly and there is a process to be followed as we discussed in our previous commissioning episodes that really can help mitigate a lot of these issues so hope you took something away from this episode we really enjoyed it tune in our next episode in the commissioning podcast is titled getting your foot in the door and it kind of talks a little bit more about how do how do as a commissioning agent how do you get involved in these projects and what are some of the good ways to do it and bad ways to do it maybe and right ways and wrong ways so we'll be covering that uh,
1: next. All right, so so it's interesting. Next week we'll talk about how do we get involved and uh, you know how do you find projects and uh, we uh, have a customer that has asked repeatedly for you know come look at this do this it'll be a great opportunity blah blah blah. And uh, so I responded with a quote from a famous individual that basically said, if you're really good at something, don't do it free. Any takers? Who said it? And uh, Nick, I know you think, well, it's Mark. It's got to be Jack Welch. It wasn't Jack Welch. I'm going to guess Frank. What was, was,
3: was it Albert Einstein?
1: It sounds right. Jim, ding, ding, ding. Perfect. <laughs> You're good, man. So (laughs) Mark only quotes Einstein or Jack Welch. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, uh, hey, now I know that Mike Tyson is one of your favorite authors. I'll be waiting (laughs) for more quotes from him. So my point is, you know, as a commissioning agent, why would you abbreviate the commissioning process to the point where you don't you're not really certain that things are working exactly as they're intended. You don't know if the process is safe, but you're willing to risk your basically your reputation and your, your collective treasure because if something does go south or sideways, odds are you'll be named as a defendant because you were the expert on the scene who basically confirmed that the system was operating as intended and in a safe manner quote-unquote expert at that point yeah you're you're an expert (laughs) well anyway yeah that was good advice by albert einstein for me anyway and he paraphrased what i usually say in less um i usually say it in less uh
0: less tactful
1: (laughs) yeah right that's it
0: (laughs) So, thanks for tuning in, guys. If you want more information on us, check out us. Uh, check out our companies online: www.vsenergy.us, www.appliedfacilityscience.com, and www.depascuali-eng.com. So, thank you very much. Have a great day, guys.